0: Alright, want you to notice what it says in verse 9 of 2 Peter 3. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And this morning we're going to be talking about the doctrine of repentance for salvation. And um, as we talked about a couple weeks ago... I think it's important that we take the time to just kind of do some refreshers on some of really just the basic doctrines because we want to we uh, want to remember the, the warning in Hebrews that we ought to take the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. And this doctrine has slipped in a lot of Baptist churches and that's a shame and we don't want that to ever happen here. And in Hebrews 6.1, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. and so last week we talked about the doctrine of Christ, and this week we're talking about the doctrine of repentance, specifically for salvation, because that's what is being spoken of here in Hebrews chapter six and whenever we and something we need to always remember about repentance, especially repentance for salvation, which is what I titled this message, is repentance, that word, is it's much like the subject of, or the word, sanctification. There is a sanctification that is about salvation, but not every time do you see that word, sanctification, is it about somebody getting saved. There is a sanctifying that God does for us when we get saved, but there's a sanctifying that we should do for ourselves. God set you apart when He saved you, But we as believers, we ought to set ourselves apart and away from the things of the world and start living for Christ. Now understand, there are many people who have set set apart themselves for the things of God who are not saved. For example, monks. They often sanctify themselves in many ways and they, they set themselves apart from all kinds of things of the flesh, but they do that to earn their salvation and guess what? They're not saved. They first need the sanctifying that Jesus does for them. And then they can do some of that other stuff. And honestly, some of the stuff they do, I don't even know what kind of sanctification that is. Okay. I already have part of what the monks do. You know how they always have that bold spot in the back of their head. Okay. But that's natural folks. All right. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be like a monk. Uh, I would have that covered uh, tomorrow if I could do it without looking like Phil kid uh, all of a sudden uh, with fake hair. So I don't, I, but uh Repentance is the same way. Not every time you see that word repentance is it about salvation. And taking a word like repentance that is sometimes in reference to salvation and making it always that way, it would be like me taking the word love and every time I see that word love used, I give it the same definition. That's not right. Context can determine how one uses a word and how it applies. And we can do that in the scriptures. And for example, too, even with the word love, okay, do we believe the word love has the same meaning when it is used, let's say when I used it in my wedding vow, when I promised that I would love my wife. Does it have the same context or the same meaning as when I say I love fried chicken? Okay. Obviously, I'm telling the truth both times. Okay, how many of you in here you love your wives and you love fried chicken? okay now are your wives and fried chicken now equal <laughs> no obviously not uh they, they are not they are not equal they are not the same context determines that thing you know if i'm if i'm making a wedding vow a sacred vow to love my wife that obviously has a lot more weight than i'm just having a casual conversation with one of my buddies when i'm hungry so, i mean i love fried chicken and you know the hungrier i am the more i love it isn't that interesting how that works but you know obviously we all get that but all of a sudden when people see the word repentance in the bible they will make every use of it sometimes about salvation which is ridiculous repentance is not exclusively a salvation word there's all kinds of repentance that one can do that has nothing to do with salvation and did you know that sometimes repentance can even be sinful in fact and even in the bible in acts 13 verse 17 it says and it came to pass when pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure, the people repent when they see war and return to Egypt. Why didn't God want them to repent? Didn't he want them all getting saved? No. Well, obviously he wasn't talking about salvation. He's like, Hey, if they see war, they're going to repent and not and get saved, but they're going to repent and no longer be leaving Egypt, but they're going to go back to Egypt. That is bad repentance. And there's a lot of people, that do bad repentance where they try living the life of a Christian and then you know what they do? They repent and they go back to living like the world. They're like the dog returning to its vomit and the sour wallow. That's bad repentance. There's there's repentance that's really bad and people do that all the time. I wonder how many people repented of their drinking and then later they repented of their abstinence. That was bad repentance, wasn't it? They, they ended up going the wrong way. So repentance is not exclusively... A salvation word, but today this message is going to be focused on repentance for salvation because I believe the repentance spoken of in Hebrews 6 was in fact about repentance for salvation because he's writing to Jews, to Hebrews, and you know what Hebrews need to repent of? They need to repent of their dead works. Why? Because they're trying to work their way to heaven. You know what Catholics need? They need to repent of their dead works and have faith. God. So that is that's the kind of repentance they need to repent. You have to be going from one thing to something else. They were going about to establish their own righteousness and they needed to turn from that and go towards Christ in faith. That was repentance. That's what they needed to do. Now, we don't have time to look up every use of the word in the Bible. And somebody could easily come along and accuse me of ignoring passages that prove repentance is in fact repenting of sins but anytime someone makes that claim or accepted that doctrine what they will do 100 of the time and just always watch for this is they will go to a passage that shows a repenting of sins and there are many of those but they will and then they define repentance as always repenting of sins but understand that you know, the, the thing is, you to go, the parts where they're repenting of sins, you should always look at what they're being called to repent from and repent to. And it's not salvation in those things. And that's what you always have to look for. Okay, yeah, they're repenting of sins here, but what are they repenting to? God is going to destroy this nation if they don't repent of their sins. And so if they do repent of their sins, then He won't restore their nation, he won't destroy their nation. That's not soul salvation. Okay, there's a difference, and so we don't have time to go to all the examples, but just take the time to look it up. Okay, anytime somebody comes along and tries to say it's that, you know, you know, just look it up. That's all you have to do. Uh, and so, uh, anytime somebody makes a claim too that dot, that salvation is by repenting of one's sins, what they will always go to to pr- to prove it. Is either a scripture out of context or they will go to a confession of faith or a writing outside of the bible to prove that whoever thought salvation was repenting of sins and then they will go to that one bible verse where somebody repents of sins but not for salvation and so uh, that's that's not proper exegesis of the scriptures going to a confession of faith does not prove anything that's foolishness and so as much as i would prefer to just preach the truth about repentance it's difficult because there's so many errors being taught in churches today and so it's hard to not address them but i do want to give some points about the truth of repentance for salvation and all of these points that i'm going to make are ones that many calvinists okay and listen our church is very anti-calvinist okay we are so anti-calvinist we don't allow tulips into the church. And we're kind of being funny with that, alright? But at the same time, uh, we like to joke about that, and, I, and because we're just anti-Calvinists around here. And so, what, uh, what we're gonna, all these points, Calvinists will make these same statements. Okay? They will agree with these statements, but I'm going to show you that these true statements, they mean something very different when they say these things. Than when we say them and we're going to uh, and, and, and I think it's important to do this to just show you the deception and kind of how they twist things uh, in their doctrine. And I, I'm not going to have a ton of time to explain exactly what they mean when they say these things. But I do want to be clear what I mean. But often what you'll hear Calvinists say that's true is they will get up and they will pontificate about how repentance is 100% necessary for salvation and you know what? I agree with that. Now, here's why they often say it. Because, you know, they'll hear about, you know, a church like ours having a soul winning marathon and getting a bunch of people saved. And so then they'll come along and, well, you know, did they really get saved? Because we believe that repentance is 100% necessary for salvation. Okay, why are you assuming those people didn't repent? Because again, because what they mean by that is repentance of sins. You gotta have a changed life. You gotta go to church. You gotta clean your life up. You gotta have some kind of reformation. You gotta get baptized. Whatever. Nobody, nobody can, they can never clearly define what it is. They can never clearly define what that is. But that's what they mean when they say that. They will say that after, you know, it's kind of an accusation against the easy believism crowd. But here's the thing. It is true repentance is 100% necessary for salvation because Nobody just automatically gets saved, which is actually what Calvinists teach. You know, that people just, you know, that God chooses who gets saved and he just regenerates you. No, that's, that's not true. And I don't have time to address that. But listen, nobody just is automatically saved. There has to be repentance. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And then uh, John three eighteen, he that believeth on me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved and he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. You know what we're seeing here in John is we're seeing that people, there's something that keeps people away from believing. And they need to believe in order to be saved and nobody is just automatically saved. And so, again, when you say repentance is 100% necessary for salvation, I agree because nobody just automatically gets saved someday. You know what? You must be born again. You must believe you must put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you are believing in a false religion, you must repent of that. If you have a false belief, if you're trusting in work salvation, you must repent of that and put your faith and trust in Christ. And that is something that you do. You have to do that in order to be saved. We were lost at one time. No one is born saved. Luke 19:9. 9, and Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham for the son of man is come to seek and save that which was lost so understand that 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 statement repentance for salvation or repentance is 100% necessary for salvation it's 100% true because everyone must accept the gift of eternal life they must recognize Jesus as savior they must acknowledge their sinfulness these things don't just automatically happen. And so, of course, repentance is it's just kind of an obvious thing. It's, well, It's like, well, duh. But again, a lot of people, and this is what happens a lot of times, heretics, because we want to distance ourselves from them, it's like anything they say, we want to say the opposite. And so when you hear a Calvinist say, repentance is 100% necessary for salvation, you know, it's our instinct to say, no, it's not. But it, no, actually it is. It's just, but what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that, Mr. Tulip? You know, what do you mean by, what do you, what exactly do you mean by that? I, explain that to me. And what they will probably proceed to say is, well, you know, you got to be willing to, you know, forsake all your sins and, uh, you know, turn your life, you know, turn your life around and promise God that you're never going to sin again, which is, I don't know how you can say that without lying <laughs> to God. I don't. I, and how ignorant of sin do you have to be to think that you can do that? And so the truth is, you know, what these people often don't really define it. They just say that casting doubt on people who do get saved and who do believe on Christ. And I think that's wrong. Another thing, uh, another point is repentance is something that God must give. Repentance is something that God must give. Calvinists say that all the time. And it's actually a true statement. Now, what do they mean by that, though? Okay. Okay. Well, that means that if you got saved, if you repented, it's because God gave it to you. Okay, clarify a little more. What do you mean by that? Well, it's because he regenerated you, enabling you. So in other words, it it all goes along with their doctrine of election. You know, that God picks who gets saved. And so if you get saved, it's because God gave you repentance. Meaning too, though, that if you did not get saved, it's because God did not give you repentance. And that's where they're wrong. Okay, repentance is something that is available to everyone because it is something God gives. But what does that mean? Okay, well, in Acts chapter 5, verse 30, it says, "...the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost... Whom God hath given to them that obey Him, and when they heard that, they were cut to the heart, and took counsel to slay them. Now, somehow Calvinists they've come up with this that idea that God giving repentance is God causing you to repent whether you want to or not, and that is weird and bizarre, and it just shows how much they don't understand about the Bible and about salvation. But look at uh, Jonah three nine. Okay, because again, what does that mean when God gives repentance? Because it's like, because Calvinists have been saying it wrong so long, you know, true Christians are just avoiding saying it. But the thing is, it is in the Scriptures. It is a true statement. Let's make sure we're clear about what this means. Because this is important. Jonah 3.9 says, This is after Jonah has preached destruction to Nineveh. All he told them, Yea, 40 days Nineveh shall be overthrown. There was no call to repentance in what Jonah said. But it says, when, when they heard that, it says, they went, they repented, they did a bunch of stuff. And it says, who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them, and he did it not. So here's, here's what it means when God gives repentance. Understand what happened at Nineveh. God had pronounced judgment on Nineveh for their wickedness. When God pronounces judgment, it's always just, is it not? Now, when God pronounces judgment for sin, is God required to allow them mercy? Is God required or to give them repentance? No, he's not. But if God wants to, he can choose to do that. Well, I like, you know, way I can illustrate it is like if after church, somebody gets really mad at this because maybe they've been listening to Jeff Dollar online, who I'm sure is going to listen to this message. And they, and so now they think I'm a heretic and you're mad and you go out in my car and you start busting all the windows And it. Okay. I can go and press charges against you and, you know, get you, get you in trouble for, va- for vandalism. All right and for destruction of private property. But if you were to apologize, if you were to be repentant, I could choose to give you that repentance and not press charges. But did you know, I could also say, you know what, too bad. And you, or whether or not you are allowed that repentance, that's really up to me on whether I'm, I'm merciful enough or not. I don't have to do it. I can't press charges. I can't make you pay for those things. And, but I could choose to give you repentance if I see something in you that tells me they're never going to do this again. They've seen the error of their ways. They're wrong. They've learned. I, I can do that. Okay? I, I, I can do that, but I don't have to. And understand, when it comes to God not bringing judgment on people, it's not because He has to. It's because He chooses to. He gives us a way out. And when we recognize our sinful condition, when we recognize that we've sinned against the Holy God and we come to Him acknowledging that sin and believing on Christ, there is only one reason God is obligated to give us repentance and it's because He said He would. That's the only reason God is under any obligation to give us... And understand, God is obligated to give people salvation if they call on Him because He said He would. That's the only reason. That's the the only reason God would be just in sending everyone to hell, even people who were sorry for their sins, had He not offered forgiveness to all who had come to Him. So, understand... Anybody who repents, anybody who believes on Christ and gets saved, it is because God gave them repentance. God was merciful. He didn't have to do it. God could have sent us to hell just because of the fact that we were sinners. But God chose to send Jesus to pay for our sins and God chose to give us repentance and to give us forgiveness and to show us mercy if we would just believe on Him. And that is the requirement. We must believe on the Son. We must recognize Jesus paid for those those sins and when we do God gives us that repentance and so understand God always always gives repentance to those who come to him for salvation from their sins and he's obligated to only because he said he would but did you know that God is not obligated to give repentance in everything For example, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this tonight, in Second Timothy 2.24, says the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. What's this talking about? This is those who are getting caught up in false doctrine and that start teaching false doctrine. Hey, you need to pray that God will give those who are going off track doctrinally. We need to pray that God gives them repentance because you know what? Somebody starts getting off track doctrinally, God might just get rid of them. And I think this is talking about a saved person. If you see a saved person start getting off doctrinally where they're leading people astray, if that person is saved, we better be praying God gives them repentance from that. Otherwise... Because God might just God might say, you know what? I'm not going to let him repent. He went too far. I'm destroying him. And understand, sometimes we can take things too far. There are sins that we can do. You know, you know. For example, myself. You know, I, I mean, there's a lot of things I know better than to do those things. And if I were to go and participate in certain sins, I can repent and I can say, Lord, I am sorry, and Lord, please forgive me. And remove the consequence of these sins. And God might say, no, you're going to still suffer for these things. I personally think if I went and I robbed a bank tomorrow, that after I went in jail, I think I would truly be repentant. But I'm pretty sure God would not grant me repentance in the sense of removing the consequence of that sin. I think he let my carcass go to jail. You know why? Because I know better. I don't think he would give me that. Now, is he, I think he'd still let me go to heaven because he's already guaranteed me eternal life. He's already, give, he's already given me that. But, you know, there's just some things there's no getting out of. That there's, not, there's no place for repentance. Esau, when he sold his birthright, he repented of that. But there was no place of repentance for him even though he sought it carefully with tears. Esau even cried about it. And God didn't. Because you know what? He had gone too far on that. And so giving repentance does not mean that God will make you repent, but repentance being given, given, it's showing that we were not entitled to any opportunity to change our minds about what's already been done and to be spared judgment. We were not entitled to that. No one is entitled to repentance for salvation except for the fact that God promised it. That's the only, that's the only reason. And so it is a true statement that God gives repentance. That is a, that is a true statement, but what Calvinists do with it is just absolutely wrong. And it would be and so even to this day God is not required to give repentance for everything except for salvation, because he promised it. John six thirty seven, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me, and this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day, and this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So again, the only, the only thing that obligates God to saving us is that he said he would romans 10:12 for there is no difference between jew and greek for the same lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved and you say well yeah but here's the thing what about these people you know what about people who are doing all these sins and hey the blood of christ cleanses all of it and those who go to god for that are always going to receive it Revelation 21, 6, And He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Revelation twenty two seventeen And the Spirit of the Bride say, Come, let him that saith say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. So God does give repentance. God does do that, but understand the Calvinists are wrong. God is willing to give repentance to Everyone. It is not limit, limited atonement is a false doctrine. Salvation is available to all and anyone who comes to Christ will get repentance. They And the consequence of that sin will be removed and they will have eternal life. And thank God for that. Thank God He has given that. So it is a true statement, but where the conclusion they jump to it is false, that that means those who don't get saved, it's just because God chose not to give them repentance. That's ridiculous, and that that is that would literally be like one person coming to God and saying, "Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner," and Him saying, "Okay." And then another one saying, "Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner," and Him saying, "No." That's what they're teaching, and that is completely contrary to the Scriptures. Anyone can be saved, and so back to that person who vandalizes my car. You know, what made me give him repentance? Maybe it was when I saw their tears and I had compassion. You know, maybe it was when when they told me they repented their Calvinism and, you know, they promised to never listen to Jeff Dollar again. Uh, You know, maybe, maybe, maybe it was that. Okay, now here's the thing. What makes God give us repentance? Is it when we get baptized? Is it when we do a bunch of good works? Is it when we repent of all of our sins? Or is it faith? Faith. Bible, the Bible tells us repentance, uh, a repentance from dead works and a faith towards God. Faith is what causes God to give us repentance. When God sees that faith, God says, I'm not going to do what I sh- could do to them. I'm not going to give them what they deserve. I'm going to give them repentance and I'm going to allow them eternal life even though they deserve eternal death and damnation and faith is the thing that he that causes him to do that. For me too, said so a bunch of things could get me to let stuff go. You know, again, somebody offers enough cash. But that's not even really repentance. They're kind of paying for their sin in that situation. But but either either way, uh you know, we're we're all different in that area. But God has told us what causes him to accept our repentance, and that is faith. That is that's what it is. And so our repentance, another thing that's true? Our repentance is initiated by God, okay? Because again, the Calvinists they want to say, you know, the reason you repented is because God made you repent. And here's the thing, that's not completely false. But here's where they're wrong. While repentance is initiated by God, it can be refused. Okay, and I don't have time to spend a lot of time proving all that. But folks, God is in fact involved in our repentance. The, the foolish conclusion they come to, though, is that God isn't trying to get everyone to repent. I do believe God wants everyone to repent. 2 Peter 3, 9. We already covered that. But Romans 2, 4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of, a good, of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. God's goodness is what, one of the things that causes us to repent. To repent, it leads us that way. Romans, or uh, 1 John four nineteen says, we love Him because He first loved us. You hear people often say, I went seeking after God. Well, that that's, that's not completely true. Now, if somebody did actually go seeking after God, it's because God did something in their life that caused them to seek after Him. God always initiates it. Okay, People might not understand that. They might be ignorant of that. God always initiates it. Okay, it's like with a, in a in a husband and wife relationship. You know who flirted first, who made the first move. You know that that can go either way. In a relationship here on earth, everybody has their different stories. Here, but when it comes to salvation, God always initiated things. God, if you got saved, God came after you before you went after Him. I promise you. If you love God today, it's because He loved you first. He starts it. John 6, says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And that's true. And Calvinists love to bring that up. Now, they don't particularly care for John 12, 32, and I, if I be lifted from the earth, will draw all men unto me. So understand, God does draw all men, but we can reject God. John 3, 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's not because God didn't draw him. No, it's because he did not believe. For everyone that doeth evil, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deed should be reproved. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach, except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and said, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Notice two things in that passage. One, it's showing how the sound, the message of salvation went to all the earth. You know what? Nobody ever just spontaneously believed on Christ. And it's ridiculous. You have people who get contentious. They get contentious. Like they'll even cast doubt on people's salvation who have believed on Christ, who uh, they, they, they are trusting in the right gospel, and they will cast doubt on somebody's salvation by declaring obvious facts. Like, there has to be a preacher. Well, duh. And if somebody got saved, there was a preacher. Okay? They, they might not remember all the details. Well, you know, you have to have the Word of God in order to be saved. Well, duh. If somebody saved, they didn't just come up with the death, burial, and resurrection in their mind. Obviously, it got to them somehow. And the fact that people argue about this, it's just it's a it's a contentious, foolish, striving that I just refuse. to. To uh, you know participate in it, it's, it's dumb, but folks, yes, all those things are true, but if somebody's saved it's because the gospel got to them. the word of God got to them, a preacher got to them there's, there's no doubt about that, and understand that is why you believed. God initiated that. God sent the preacher. God had the word of God written there is so I mean folks, not only did everything that it took to save us. Was it done by Jesus Christ? But even God did everything that it took to get the gospel to us. He sent the preacher. He sent the Holy Spirit. He preserved the word of God. I mean, God gets credit for everything. And the Calvinists, sometimes they will get up and eloquently, you know, acknowledge a lot of these details, but then they come to the assumption that you can't refuse with their irresistible grace doctrine. That's ridiculous because in this passage, we see the sound going to all the earth. But then it talks about Israel, that even though God's reaching out to them, they're saying no. So we see here people refusing, but it doesn't change the fact God went after them. God tried. And so anybody who's saved, it is, it's because the Holy Spirit drew them. It's because somebody preached to them and God initiated that. God started all that. Nobody just one day wake up, it's like, woke up and was like, you know what? I want to get saved. I believe on Christ. Somebody had to tell you about them. You had to learn about him somehow. You had to have the Word of God. You had to read a Bible. You had to read a Gospel tract or something. You know, Somebody had to tell you. Otherwise, uh, you're, you're not going to get saved. So another thing they'll say too, and this is on a lot of doctrinal statements. I refuse to put this in our doctrinal statement because it can be misleading, but technically it's true. And they'll say that repentance and faith are inseparable graces when it comes to salvation. And so let me explain what this actually means. First off, we've already shown God gives repentance and he doesn't have to. Therefore, it is grace. It is a gift because it's not deserved. But faith, you could technically say, is grace too, because without certain things, we would not have faith. Do you all understand that? For example, in Romans 10:14, how then should they call on him in whom they have not believed? How should they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how should they hear without a preacher? If you have faith, it's because God gave a preacher. If you have faith, it's because God gave the Word of God. If you have faith, it's because God gave the Holy Spirit that drew you to salvation. So, in in a sense, but again, does God force faith for salvation on people? You can't find that in the Scriptures. You can't find that, but they will use the fact that faith that you have, repentance, all these are things that God gives and that God is behind and they use that to just teach the you know unconditional election, irresistible grace, all that foolishness, even though if you go to these passages where we see some of those facts acknowledged, we see people refusing which kind of flies in the face of what they're saying. But again, the only reason God is under any obligation to do any good thing for us is the fact He said He would. And if you have come to faith in Christ, you didn't do it on your own. If you have faith, you didn't get that faith on your own. In fact, First Corinthians 3.5 says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. And what else does it say in the Bible? He gave some apostles and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So everything that caused you to have faith was something that God gave. But just understand, if someone does not have faith, it does not mean God didn't give them those things. It doesn't mean that they refused it. You absolutely can refuse these things. We see people doing it all the time in the Bible. And so having said all this, why is it that repentance and faith for salvation are inseparable? Well, again, back to Hebrews 6.1, it says repentance of dead works and of faith toward God. Did you know a person can repent of their dead works in Judaism, like the Hebrews, but if they turn to Allah, they still won't be saved. They had repentance. They, they had repentance, but they still won't be saved. A person can repent of Allah, and they can turn to Jesus, but if they add works to their faith, they still aren't saved, even though there was repentance. hey, I'm done being a Muslim and I'm a Christian now. And I'm going to be a good one. And I think if I keep on being good, I'm going to go to heaven. They're still not saved. But did they have repentance? You better believe they have repentance. Uh, Guys in Alcoholics Anonymous, they have repentance from drinking. But does that make them saved? No, you don't get saved from that. A person can repent of their sinful ways and turn to a religious life And a lot of people do that. Many people, they will hit rock bottom in their life because of their sins, because of their drunkenness, because of their drugs. Their life just falls apart and they're like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to start being good. I'm going to confession every week. I'm going to start taking communion. I'm going to do whatever my priest says to do. And they can become good, productive citizens. They might become good husbands or good wives, and they might be decent fathers, but if they have not, and and they repented of their sins, but if they've not put their faith in Christ, they're still not saved. They had repentance, but they didn't have salvation because repentance, again, everybody has to repent, but you have to repent of, and there's a million things you can repent from, but there's only one thing you can repent to. Only one thing that you can repent too. All who will be saved must repent of whatever it is they're trusting in that is not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and they must believe on Jesus Christ. So what about those who, though, just weren't trusting in anything? That, that's a lot of people in our country today. They're not even thinking about God. They're not even thinking about the things of God. They don't care about the things of God. What must those people do? Well, they need to repent of their unbelief. They're in a state of unbelief right now. They, they need to repent of that. Obviously, they weren't believing on Christ before, and they have to start believing on Christ. That also is repentance. And so, uh, the doctrine of repentance in a nutshell is this. No one starts out saved. Do you all understand that? Hey, go read George Bush's book, Decision Points, where he tells the story about Billy Graham... Being with his family on the, uh, the, uh, at the, I believe it was the vice presidential inauguration of George H.W. Bush. And you had George H.W. Bush, future president. George W. Bush is there, future president. George H.W. Bush's mom was there. George H.W. Bush asked Billy Graham, says, Billy Graham, you preach that a person must have a born again experience to be saved. My mother here is the most religious. Christian lady I know yet she's never had a born-again experience do you believe that she must in order to go to heaven and Billy Graham obviously very intimidated by the vice President of the United States asked, and he asked hey do you think my mom's going to hell you know if he'd have been John the Baptist he you know first off he wouldn't have been as popular as he was he wouldn't have been honored in his uh, in his death like Billy Graham was but he'd have been like yeah she's on her way to hell nobody's born a Christian. You must be born again. That's what he should have said, but he said, "You know, some people require a born again experience in order to understand salvation, but there are some that are just born saved." And now maybe George W. Bush was lying about that, all right? Maybe, but that's what he put in his book. That's what he remembered. Folks, you must be born again. And there's there's many people who grow up in good churches. I mean and you and understand this too your kids they they grow up in this church they're growing up in a good church around good doctrine but understand even if they grow up like a baptist at some point in their life they need to put their faith and trust in Christ they must believe on him themselves you must be born again cuz if if any of these little kids in here we've got several kids that were born in this church if they grow up and they live and they die in this church following all the rules of this church it will not earn them one second into heaven they must be born again they must believe on christ and so repentance and salvation is not something you are entitled to except for the fact that god promised it to whosoever and so when you repent There is no limit of things, of potential things you can repent from. There's no limit of things, but there is only one thing you can repent to for salvation, and that is trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection for Jesus Christ. You must recognize that is the only sufficient payment for sin and claim it alone. Do not contaminate the sacrifice of Christ With your works, with your dead works, that's all they are. Do not contaminate it. And let me say, too, for those that are saved, you know what? After you get saved, you ought to regularly practice a life of repentance. Not for salvation, but repentance from anything bad that you do. From being a bad husband, being a bad wife, being a bad worker, being a bad Christian, Whatever it is, you ought to constantly be repenting as a believer so we can have a better life, so we can have better relationships on earth, so we can have a better relationship with God. But understand, repentance for salvation is very, very clear in the Bible, and it's very, very simple. It is not about works. Repenting of sins is a lot of work. If you don't believe it, why do we have to have all these you know, alcohol programs and drug programs and things? It is brutal. It is a lot of work. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. Why is, you know, so, understand, we, the devil is always going to try to find a way to add works of salvation. It's what he's always done. It's what he always will do. It will never go away. False prophets will always try to find a way to contaminate the offering of Christ just a little bit. And they, and often they do it with the, with subject like repentance. And I think it's a shame. We must understand what this is. This is a foundational truth. And so tonight we're going to talk about re- the repentance for a believer. And it has nothing to do with salvation whatsoever. These are completely separate subjects. And so with that, let's pray to your Lord. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for giving us repentance. We're thankful, Lord, that even though you would have been completely just and letting us all die and go to hell, you chose to make a way of salvation for us, and you, uh, you made it simple, you made it easy, and you made it completely free, and we're thankful for that. And I pray, Lord, you'll help us to uh, be diligent in trying to call others to repentance and spreading that gospel uh, to this whole world, and I pray that uh, you'll help us to see great things as a result, and I pray for those who are saved I pray, Lord, that uh, because they're saved and secure and on their way to heaven, I pray, Lord, that they will live a life of repentance from the wickedness of this world and will strive to live for you uh, in appreciation for what you've done. In your name we pray. Amen.